0: Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, today being Sunday, it's Sunday morning. So we're going to talk a little bit about faith and we're going to talk about the Christian faith that I have some resonance with. I am not an expert on on other religions, right? But I'm going to talk about the Christian faith and the distortion of Christian figures that is preventing people in during these times from accessing a needed resource such as faith that provides comfort and peace, instead of being able to access that over time, not just today, not just 10 years ago, but over time, the distortion of Christian figures has prevented people from accessing God or in their own minds. God is still available, but you feel as if, what's the point? when these people are rolling like punks in the pulpit to borrow Reverend Sharpton's phrase. So how are you doing? It's Sunday. And it's amazing to me that I think we're in week three of the protest since George Floyd died on Memorial day. And today is the the 14th of June. And I want everybody to take note of that. This is the third week of June and we're heading into Juneteenth, which is this Friday. The 19th. Juneteenth is the celebration or the commemoration, I should say, of when slaves in the United States were set free uh, on June 19th. Uh, So typically every year it is commemorated, but I think this year most of us may have forgotten it because our grandparents celebrated it, but this year it's going to be extremely significant in light of the fact that we are protesting racial inequities racial inequality and police violence against Black people. I saw a story, I think it was on the New York Times yesterday, that said that uh, Hispanic, uh, Hispanics who join the police force are kind of caught in the middle because they have to play the game of siding with the white cops. To so that and beat up black police officers. And as far as I'm concerned, I ain't advocating for no Hispanic person. They can stand on their own and advocate for themselves. They need to come to the table and say this racial inequality affects blacks and it affects us. Martin Luther King marched as a result of his march, as a result of Megger Evers, as a result of Malcolm X and all the freedom fighters. Everybody who is a minority is able to access the inequities that were overturned as a result of our advocacy, as a result of our loss of blood and sweat. All minorities were let in. They need to start marching and they need to stand with us. So if there are Hispanic members of the police force all over the country, all over the country, you should not play the game. You should stand up and say wrong is wrong and right is right. So just because your skin color is not my skin color, does not obviate you from racial inequality. It's divide and conquer. They're still dividing and winning as they go along, right? So we all need to stand up. I I I still want to see the pressure from social media. You you need to keep the pressure up. Do not discontinue the conversation because they don't. You got to understand the premise and the the foundation and the pillar of of, of white supremacy. They do not want us to be equal. They don't want us to be equal because then where would they be? What would their position be if we're equal? They're not going to hand it over to us. They're not going to give us a medal and say, oh, here's your medal for 400 years of slavery. And now suddenly you're on the equal pedestal with me. They're not going to do that. It is not their game nor their intention. So we have to keep the pressure up so we get to the place that we were destined to be. Have you ever read the Bible, right? So we're going to get into that this morning and get into the Bible because the distortion of Christian figures over time has kind of rendered the Bible ineffective, has rendered the word of God immeasurable so that it cannot compare and it seems to have no value or it seems to have no relevance to the activities of today. That is not true because I have read the Bible. When I see some of the stuff that is going on and I say to myself, which God are these people talking about? Because the Bible I read seems to me God was a revolutionary and Jesus Christ was a revolutionary. That man did not care. He went into a temple and old the time tables because he said, you've distorted my father's house. Where is that relevance that we can bring into today? They make it seem like God is, 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 is only for the rich and the powerful. That's not true. They make it seem like God is only on the side of those who are the conquerors. That is not true. If that were the case, why was Jesus sent? So we're going to go into the distortion of Christian figures. And I want to read something to you as an introduction. Listen to this. List. Today's evangelical preachers who range from prosperity gospel messengers to hell and brimstone condemnation, have successfully manipulated the word of God to exclude the very people Jesus died for. Is that not the truth? Evidence of this exclusion is seen by the large number of non-Christians who refuse to attend church because they feel as though there is no place for them in the body of Christ. It is our job as Christians to undo the distortion of God's message and to restore the church to its former glory. What is that? A safe place? that provides comfort for all people, all people from all backgrounds. So I want to set the stage for you this morning. We're reading from Exodus chapter 20. Anybody knows Exodus? It's the second book of the Old Testament in the Bible, the Christian Bible, the Bible that gives us and provides guidance for us who say we are Christians. It's remarkable to me, as many churches as I have been in, As many services as I have been in over the last 20 years, it's always remarkable to me that people seem to, preachers don't preach a lot from the Bible. They don't preach a lot from the Old Testament. They might go to the Psalms and throw you something, or they might go to, the favorite one is Malachi 3 and 8. Malachi 3 and 8, the one that talks about giving your tithe, and if you don't tithe, you're going to be destroyed, and if you don't tithe, that curse is upon you, right? And people look at that and say, what did Jesus not come to destroy that? And then you have one other church, one other group of people who preach exclusively only from the New Testament. They, they, they obviate everything. And so they're like, the Old Testament is irrelevant because the New Testament, all our sins are forgiven. So you are more interested in people like Jeffrey Epstein getting away. I'm more interested in human traffickers who are having sex with children. I'm more interested in people who rape women and children. I'm more interested in robbing human beings and robbing people of their rights than you are in reading the Bible. So I am going to read the Bible in your hearing this morning from the New King James Version, and it's Exodus chapter 20. Check this out. It says, I am the Lord your God, and God spoke all these words, saying, I, in verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Stay right there. Keep a note of that. The land of Egypt Out of the house of bondage. I want you to spend some time thinking about that. Out of the land of Egypt. I'll tell you why that is important in a minute. You shall have no other gods before me. Is that clear to all of us? Right? You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Hmm. I want us to think about that. How many houses of worship we go into today? And what greets you is a picture of the pastor or the pastoress. How many houses of worship? We're going to today, and the name on the building is that of a man or a woman, and the name the picture of the person is there. You shall have no other gods before me. you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, so the ones who make statues of Jesus are wrong, or it, or that is in the earth beneath so that's me and you we're in the earth, animals, we're in the earth, the cow the donkey, the goat, we're in the earth, or anything that is in the water underneath the earth. Here's why. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. You walk into houses of worship today, and they want to tell you how to worship. They want to tell you how to, yeah, they should tell you how to worship, you're in their space, but they want to tell you about the man or woman who owns the building And that they're the ones whom you should give obeisance to, like God doesn't exist. Like this is Tom Brown's church. This is Bishop Brown's church. Bishop Tom Brown's church. And First Lady Brown. And you should sit down here and worship First Lady Brown and Bishop Brown. Check this out. The Bible says in Exodus 20 and 5, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Whether they say they're minister this, or pastor this, or bishop this, or apostle this, the same applies. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So worshiping other gods is hating God. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. God help me today. Father, help me. Let me decrease so the words of God can flow through me. And the hearers, let us be hearers of the word and doers of the word. Amen. So here's my thing. Here's the way that this is written. I'm not, I don't need to translate it and I don't need to interpret it. It is what it is. It is written, right? It is written. And the Bible clearly here says, it gave us this guideline from a long, long time ago. But if you look at Christianity from the time of Richard, Richard the Conqueror, the Crusades, the guy who took Christianity across the across South Asia, across all of Asia and Europe, he took a whole band of people with him. And in his estimation, in his defense, what he was saying was, He's introducing these people to Christianity because he thinks they were savages and heathens and they needed to know the word of God. But the people who came with him, they robbed people. They raped women and children. They captured women and children and took their lands and took their wealth. So over time, Christianity became associated with people who robbed and conquered. That is the antithesis of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was placatory. He taught reverence, and he taught peace, and he taught love. Now, it's not the kind of love that eh, you just, you can do anything you want and just love. Some people take it to the extreme. No. There are consequences for our actions, and if you read the New Testament carefully, it will outline that. Didn't Jesus say, give unto Caesar? What is due unto Caesar? And obey those who have subjection over you? So Jesus was clearly telling you, that it's not all about peace and love. It is not about that. What it is about is obeying God and not distorting the image of God. Now, what has happened to us over time is that so many of our current preachers, I can't speak of the preachers years ago because I don't know that, but the ones whom we, have, we are exposed to today, part of why people are disenchanted With Christianity, the teaching of the gospel, and why people don't go to church is because they find no relevance to their everyday lives. You walk in and you're broke like a skunk. You can't get a job because of racial inequities. You can't get a job no matter how much education you have. You get a job, you get on the job, and then they start practicing racism. There's all kinds of public policies in place. There's at-will employment. They're, they distorted the workers' compensation laws across the country. So you go to work, you get injured. They say everybody's an independent contractor, but the law actually says, according to the IRS, that if you work a certain amount of hours, the employer is responsible, right? So they use at-will employment to say, well, you're just a worker at will, and you don't work really 40 hours a week. You work 32 hours per week. There are all these kinds of things happening. So you have to deal with it because it's public policy. So the people who have rule over us determine what the policy is that we have to comply with. Then you have a whole other group of people telling you about the separation of church and state because it suits them. You know why anybody who stands on a bastion and on a platform and talk about the separation of church and state has vested interests. You know why? They have business interests that they don't want the state to interfere with. They have business interests under the guise of the church that they don't want the state to interfere in. They don't want the government to come and tell them. You ever hear some of those people? We don't want the government to tell us how to do our business. You ever hear some people in the church that we don't want the government to come in and tell us how to run our church? That's because they run everything through the church as a nonprofit, own lots of stuff. They're not paying any taxes on. And they sit down after church on Sunday, count up their money, just like a king in a palace who has collected all the taxes. They sit there, count up all the money, and sip their wine and laugh at the rest of us as we walk out back into poverty. Do you see what I'm saying? That's the distortion that God is talking about. He says, have no other God besides me. So all this part of the reason why all these churches are closing. You walk into the church and you're filled Sunday morning. You're filled with the love of God and you're walking in because you need to hear something that is life-changing. You need to know that God is really with you. And you may not have had all the time in the world this week to read the Bible for yourself. After all, let's look at our environment. We go to work. We work 8-10 hours a day, 12 hours. You go home. You have to spend time with your family, spouse, children, visiting parents, blah, blah, blah. The business of life goes on. You have to cook, wash, clean, right? Figure out how the bills are going to be paid. It's life, right? You have stuff to attend to, elderly parents or not, right? And you are doing all of this. And then by the end of the day, do you have time to pick up the Bible? Speak the truth. No, you don't. You don't have time to pick up the Bible. But what you do is you go in on Sunday morning and you say, there's got to be a word for me. Life is changing around me. My family got sick. Life is changing around me. I feel uncomfortable. You walk into the house of God. And the first image you're presented to is one of the smiling pastor. You, you kind of feel some sort of way, but, you know, <laughs> let me go in there and just focus in on God. You go in there and all eyes are on him. And they draw attention. Look at me. They spend 40 minutes, he or she, talking about who they were talking with this week, whom they associate with. Sometimes they have the photographic evidence. And you're still sitting there waiting on a word. And they come and they tell you, jump two times and they play the music and get you excited. And then you walk out of there and you say, what was that again? Yeah, he said so-and-so. They t- Sometimes what they do is they go through your Facebook page to see what people are dealing with and they come and say something that is going to sound like they are solving that problem that God is hearing, but you're waiting for the evidence throughout the week and you're not seeing it. That's distortion because that may not be what God is speaking about. Can I just tell you the honest truth? Sometimes God is on a whole different agenda and a whole different level. You see all the stuff we're going through right now? This stuff, I felt this a long time ago coming I just wasn't comfortable with it. I'm like, me? No, no way I'm going to talk about that. I'm like, God, you want them to pillify me? They're going to put me on a cross. They're going to do this. They're... And I wouldn't touch it. Until the Lord grabbed me in my neck and forced me to confront my situation. Who am I? I'm nobody. Here I am, dealing with the media, dealing with social media, using this. And I've been telling people for years that this time was coming. But they weren't going to listen to me because I wasn't glorified on a pedestal. You see what I'm saying? The distortion of the image of God. So when Richard the Conqueror swept through Asia and Europe, he began a tradition that to this day continues. And to this day, most of us won't enter into a church. Because when you enter into the church, it feels kind of off. Because you realize that it's less about God. I'm more about them. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of the best, most involved church services I've been in is where 10 people are in the building. The smallest churches sometimes have the greatest power and the greatest evidence of the power of God, the greatest reflection of it. When they're not so focused and centered on, I have a mega church, I have a big building, I I have 10,000 people in my building, I have 5,000 people, I have 2,000 people in my building. The more they're focused, the more involved that they are. And look at who they're involved with in the community. Can I just lay it out for you? You want me to go there? You remember a guy named Martin Luther King? He didn't move with the power brokers. He moved with the people. His power was not with the power brokers. He was with the people. He did meet with President Lyndon Johnson. He did meet with the Kennedys, but he didn't spend time pontificating and postulating with them. He didn't take photographic evidence. That's not what he was about. His power was with the people. He went to the people. He listened to what they had to say. Then he took their concerns to the powerful. That's why he was effective. That's why they killed him, because he was effective. His time had come. He was the deliverer. He was the messenger. And when his time came, it was over, and it was done. And he knew it, and he accepted it. These preachers today, as Reverend Sharpton called them a few days ago, they're nothing but punks in the pulpit. We've been calling them pimps in the pulpit for a long time. And what they did, they ostracized, they vilified the people who call them out. But the truth of the matter is that's all that they are. They have distorted the word of God. They use it for efficacy. They use it as a means of acquiring influence. And with influence comes money and power. More money, more power, more influence. And they use it as the currency to plateau them and project them onto a platform. That's all that they do. But here is what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20. I hope you read it. I read it so you can see it. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But he shows mercy to you and I. To you and I, the layman, the people who don't have the power, the people who do not have the influence. I can't walk with the mayor nor the governor. Can you? I can't walk with this and that. But God is going to show me more mercy than he's going to show them. And they're like, well, I'm going to stay on the right side. I'm going to stay on this side because I got to be here and I got to do this. The distortion of religious figures. All It's not just here in America. It's everywhere. If you ever go down south and you go, when I say south, I mean South America. If you ever been there, I haven't been to Brazil. But there's a statue of Jesus. Right? And people use that statue and reverence that statue. I kind of get their idea. They wanted to show that they reverence Jesus Christ. Brazil is a heavily religious country, but Brazil also conquered the indigenous peoples who were there. There are more black people living in Brazil outside of Africa than any other country on the planet. But the black people who live in Brazil are treated worse than second-class citizens. They have no equality. They have no money. They have no access to education, no resources. But you have a statue of Jesus saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No, you are distorting a religious image. You're distorting a Christi- the image of a Christian figure to justify the policies and the public policies that intersect people's lives that destroy them. That's the truth of the matter. Nobody wants to hear the truth. None of preachers want to confront truth. Everybody took up a march a couple days ago. Every one of them, you know why they did? They didn't do it because they actually believed. They did it because you nor I would not follow them and support them or walk back into their facilities or give them a dime anymore. So they did it in an about phase to prove to you that they're with you. They're not. Because if they were really with you, they would have been fighting the system of injustice that has been going on. What they sought to do was like crabs in a barrel. They're gonna fight one on top of the other and get themselves to a place of supreme standing where they can look down on you. So they can go to the policymaker and say, well, I represent, so I have so many people in my facility. I have so many people I have influence over. I can bring you into my facility But here is a fee that you can make a consideration and a donation. So they use people. That's distorting the image of God. They use you and I to gain access. This troubled me for some time. This has been troubling me for many years because as I sat in one house after another, one house of worship after another, I felt like something was missing. I I tried to love people. I, I, I tried to I tried to reason. I tried to look beyond their faults. I said, okay, well, maybe they do that because they feel like they have to. After all, somebody has to step into the void of leadership. But what I found was they weren't representing the people. Maybe I am reading history wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it seems to me that Martin Luther King represented the people. Martin Luther King spoke up on injustice. He put forward, as an influential preacher of his time, he put forward the ideas of the people. These folks today are preaching prosperity. If you give your money to me, and if you come into my building and go to my stuff, you're going to be rich. They distorted the image. God is not about just your wealth. God is about your healing. We're seeing that today. Most, a lot of people are walking around with mental health issues. A lot of people right now, most of us are traumatized from watching the violence that has been coming against people who look like us. Most of us are traumatized, anticipating that this is going to go further and erupt into a place where there is no control. It seems like just watching stuff just goes on and on. Where is the religious voice that is standing up? We look to them for leadership. We look up to Bishop this. We look up to Apostle that. And we're looking for them to say something. They're not. The preachers today, they're not. They're not taking that definitive step and stepping into the void. They're going to stay on the side of safety, on the sidelines. Continue to collect your money. And if you have a march, they will show up for the photo op. It's just a photo opportunity to prove to you, in the eyes of you, that they're with you. They're not. Behind the scenes, they're making calculated attempts and ensuring they continue in their position of power. I say to you, a lot of them are going to find their buildings emptied of worship. They might have the building, they might be using it for other stuff, but nobody will be going in there because people are looking for real time. They're looking for authenticity. They're looking for what is real, where their spirit and the spirit of God resonate and click together. In this time of murder, this is a time of murdering. That's what it is. People are being murdered in the streets. Right before our eyes, we watch the lynching of George Floyd. Just a few nights ago, Friday night in Atlanta, another black man was shot by the police as he was trying to run away, right before the eyes of people. In a time of murder, where is the voice of justice calling out? But you say you represent God and you represent Jesus. You're a liar. Look at Jesus. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, did God not say I brought you to the land of Egypt out of bondage? Let's go back to that, the land of Egypt. Where is Egypt, y'all? Egypt is in Africa, is it not? Northern Africa. Okay. The way Christianity has been depicted is that Jesus is the God of the white man, right? We know now that white people came from Europe. God delivered the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Egypt has not moved. Egypt is still in northern Africa. When Jesus was born, his family fled to Egypt. If you look at the map, Israel sits right on top of the mouth of Africa. Do you see the distortion? But you see, Jesus is the God of the white man? How? Jesus was an unarmed brown man. He must have been brown, y'all. He blended in with the population of Egypt. Do you see the distortion? So they come over here and tell you, in the name of God. That's what white planters told the slaves. That God does not like you because you're black. Because you're a descendant of Ham, who was a son of Noah. All those people came out of northern Africa. So how in Dickens' name was God going to hate some and hate all? Do you see what I'm saying? Right? So the, the planters told the slaves that God hates them because they're black. And then when the slaves started reading, they couldn't find anywhere in the Bible. It sounded like the Bible was a book of deliverance and a book of safety and a book of God's love and a book of how to live. They could find no resonance with what the planters were saying, but they say, the white man told black people that God hates you because of your color. Hello, somebody, the distortion, and that continued to this day. In fact, just a few years ago, I remember a guy named Frederick C. Price from Compton, California, remembering, he did a landmark series on race, religion, and racism in America. It was Unbelievable. And he had been associating with the Hagen family for decades. And then somebody sent him a recording where Father Hagen said that the races should not mix. And he confronted them. And he said, for years, we've been commiserating. This is how you believe that my black son should not date your white daughter. There is no evidence in the Bible that says that. But they distorted the word of God. They're still doing it to this day. They're still telling us to be separate. They're still telling us that we should not... Don't you see if you go in religious houses? So we, the, we, we in the Black, we, we the blacks, we Black people, we start what? Duplicating what our slave masters did. We start finding ways to divide and conquer amongst ourselves. So we start creating hierarchies where there should be none. And all we have done is create dissonance and division amongst ourselves So now we can't even unite around one common goal, which is Black Lives Matter. Tamir Rice died. Eric Garner died. Sandra Bland died. Right? Am I I reading them? Michael Brown died. Trayvon Martin died. And we still couldn't wrap our entire minds around Black Lives Matter. It took George Floyd to be publicly lynched. For all of us to stand up, but even though some of us are still treading water because we're afraid of reprisal. That's dividing and conquer. God never had to do that and Jesus never did. Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. Don't you think if the slaves had read that in the Bible, they would have taken some issue with Massa, wouldn't they? That I said, But how come it says here Jesus came to set the captives free and we're captive and you won't set us free? But you read that Bible every day. The slave the slave master used to read from a Bible that did not exist. He just made it up as he went along because the slaves couldn't read English because English was not their first language. That's another distortion. Well, God doesn't like you because you're not English and you're not white because you don't speak English or you don't speak Spanish or you don't speak Portuguese. The people came from Africa. I could tell you about some other distortions that are coming through that we're, dis- descri- we're finding out now in history. They told us that they dock ships outside of the port of West Africa. That was not the only way they took the Africans. They also took them through the mouth of Africa, up through the Costa del Sol in Spain, tracked across Europe, and then put them on ships from the ports of London and Lisbon and took them over here to the Americas. Just because history was written by the conquerors does not mean they wrote the truth. They wrote lies that have been morphed into what looks like truisms because nobody is alive to authenticate it. But you and I are here. We can read now and we can think in much the same way that they we used to sit and wonder in history class. Then how did they know to leave from Lisbon, Portugal and to come? how, How did they know to get over here? It would seem to me you have to kind of go around the globe to get here. Well, they followed the stars. Listen to me, everybody. We accepted it because we were like, okay, I guess that's what they did. It made them sound super smart and super perceptive, didn't it? But now you and I are sitting down and we are like, that don't even make sense. They've been lying to us. Somewhere along the way, there have been lies. Just like they say Jesus was the God of the white man. He had blonde hair. You all remember that? The 70s and the 60s, all the religious films from Hollywood depicted Jesus. As what? A blonde-haired white man with blue eyes. Jesus was an unarmed brown man. He came. He was like a George Floyd. He was an unarmed brown man, all. The Romans, who were in charge of the power at the time, put their foot on the neck of Jesus Christ. They hung him on a cross, made him walk a mile with his own cross while they whipped him in his back because he dared to stand up and tell the people that you can't be free because I have come to set you free, isn't that what they did with Martin Luther King and Megga Evers? Why you black preachers are separating yourselves from the greatness of your history and your legacy? That is the greatest deliverance. If you stand up and preach the same message, nobody would ever walk out of your church. If you remind the people of the great history and the great tradition that they've been born in, and that you have ascribed yourselves to, yourself, so nobody would find any dissonance. Why did you allow yourselves to be? And to be stupid and to be led into believing that money and power was the solution. Money and power ain't the solution, you all. We need God. Tyler Perry has all the money in the world. Tyler Perry had to go make his own Hollywood in Atlanta. With all the money that he has, they still don't accept a black director in Hollywood. He had to create his own Hollywood in Atlanta. What does that tell you about money and power? Ain't the solution. We need to go back to basic and go to the word of God where the true answers lie. That's the power that the people need today. That's the power. People are marching in the streets. I guarantee you they're not all broke. They're not all, they don't have the power. They may not Be rich like a billionaire, like some of you pastors are sitting on your hundreds of millions of dollars. I dare to tell you this one Sunday morning. I come to tell you some of you are going to have empty buildings. Some of you are going to have foreclosure signs on your buildings because people will not be walking up in there. If you're waiting for a revival, this ain't the time. No revival is coming until you attend to the people's business in the streets. Until you hear the cries of the people, stand up for the cause of the people until you do that, there ain't no revival coming where you're going to reap millions and millions of dollars like you did in times gone by. Let us be clear. God is not a God of joke. The people are crying out for a leader. We don't have a leader today. Who is the forefront of the movement? Reverend Sharpton is 66 years old. Reverend Jesse Jackson needs a cane to walk. Who is the leader of the people? You need a leader who is going to come forth and have the true interest of the people. As soon as someone starts emerging, they all say, who is he, where he comes from? Who is she, where she comes from? They start finding ways to tear you down because that's not our message. You can't say that. You can't deliver like that. The people want a leader. Where is that person? Where is the man of God, the woman of God, to come and move the people? There is a place for social justice. They don't want to talk about it. Shove it under the rug because it's not politically correct. You know why it's not politically correct? It's not politically correct for him because he knows or she knows she can't go to her white masters and bring the needs of the people before them. No. Otherwise, if that were the case, we would not have prisons for profit. Somebody would have stood up a long time ago and said, shut that down. Black boys and girls will not pay. Their bodies are not going to pay for your prisons for profit. But who was talking? You and I were sitting in the pews waiting for a message of empowerment, waiting to find that God is going to ride in. Where? On whose back? Who was God going to use? Whose mouth was he going to use? They shut down every pillar. Still, God opened up the internet and gave some of us access. While the rest of them, they still have their microphones. Many of them have their microphones in pulpits today. I wonder where they are. Those same places, they're going to stand in their pulpits and look out into the congregation and those rooms will be empty for a long time. It is God who did it. You know why? Because you weren't listening. When you should have been on your knees praying and asking God for guidance. You were pontificating. You were socializing on your yacht. You were flying on your private jets. You were doing everything else and playing with politicians. Answer me clearly. Did you read the Bible? Have you ever seen that God used anybody who played with the politicians? Where was Jesus? Jesus came from among the people, he lived among the people. He didn't live on the hill, he lived among the people so he could hear the people. He brought their needs before Caesar. He brought their needs before the Roman court. He brought their needs to the power structures of his time. That's what we're supposed to do as people of God. Where are the leaders today? You bring the needs of the people before the power structures and the power brokers. You confront the systems of injustice that prevail over people. So people think they're bawling out and crying out for help. Listen to that man who was crying, George Floyd, he was crying out for his mama. I kept saying "Then how come he didn't say, God help me? Where? What examples has he seen? And God was sitting up there like, look at this. I'm going to use this. I'm going to orchestrate this and I'm going to use this to wake the people up and let the people see, start! This is why you can't give up. So you recognize that you're going to have to be the change. So you use the platform God has given you, your social media page. They're listening. They're listening to what people say. Talk about the injustice. Stop living in fear. Part of why the racial injustice system is successful is what? Fear. We didn't talk about the police violence. Because we were fearful the police would lock us up too. They can't lock up everybody and they ain't going to. Not when they themselves have to back up against the wall and realize, God, I have to change this. What you're looking up to your pastor, and he's out there with a photo opportunity, with the governor of your state, with the mayor of your city or the city council president or the police chief, that's a photo opportunity. Is he with the people? Did he come and say, let me say something? I guarantee you, if most of these preachers show up to talk with the Black Lives Matter movement, they're going to take the mic from them and say, we don't want you up here. What are you doing up here? Where were you when my grandmother was getting sick, when they were foreclosing because of redlining and people foreclosing? Where you live, by the way? That's what the people are going to say. Nobody asked Martin Luther King Jr. That. Nobody asked Medgar Evers. Nobody asked alchemists, because they were authentic. They were there with the people. They empathized and they lived. It. Where are the rest? Hiding. As soon as church is over, they jump in their luxury conveyances and drive off and go live amongst where the white people live. Yeah, that's what they do. Shame on them. God is going to strip them off their robes and their coverings. God is going to show them out. He started that stuff years ago. It's going to continue. Now it's going in the final stage where they'll be stripped off their power structures. Their buildings will lie empty. They did not serve the people. Now they're going to learn what you and I have come to know. It's about the people. You want to be like Jesus? You want to serve Jesus? You want to appear before God? Go serve. Take it to the streets. Listen to the people. Go mingle with the people. Touch them. Talk to them. Listen. I know this because I had to live it. You can't be here talking down. It's not trickle-down economics. This only works when a politician opens his mouth. That's the only time. You see, the folks who are organizing, they know this. They got to get the grassroots involved. We got to get the young people energized. We got to get them off entertainment. And this is why it's not working to some extent because the people we're looking up to who have a platform, they're afraid of losing. It's not just the preachers, it's the entertainers. They're afraid of losing their little position and they just want to be so important. All they sit down on top of is already going to buy the next product. I know they're going to go to the next show. And God is going to tear it all down and bring us back to basic so we understand what this is all about. Until we dismantle the system that separates us by the color of our skin, until we dismantle that, we're not going to get peace. And if you think that after this, you can slide back and everything will go back to normal, they're not going to forget. In a few months, by the next year, they come up with some more policies that quietly pass through the houses of Congress that shift the dynamic. You can't congregate unless you're in a group of 10. You can't do this. You can't do that. And you never even knew that these laws exist. They're going to quietly pass the laws because right now they have too much power. They're too empowered. We gave too much freedom. So if you don't keep the movement going, how are we going to ever come out of this? And you have the preachers that they give a message. You want my support? Don't I have the power. I'm the governor. I can shut down your businesses and report you to the IRS for what you're doing. So you go and tell your people that this is how we're going to do it. So they identify community. See, they wouldn't come to people like me because my mouth, as you know, is unsanctified. I am going to say what thus says the Lord, even when it is unpopular, even when it's cost me everything. Because the truth needs to be told. This distortion of Christianity has got to stop. Read the Bible. I don't get it. I've read the Bible. Sometimes I wonder what they're talking about. Because the Bible is a book of revolution. The people kept, weren't they revolting all the time against their leaders? Isn't that what Jesus was doing? When they dragged him, made him walk with a cross for a mile and a half? And here you come. Religious traditions on certain days. You come and distort it. To suit your agenda and put your name on it so the people who come into your building, yeah, have to look up to you and worship you and you're riding like Pharaoh. You look like Pharaoh. You're riding like Pharaoh on a chariot. Walking in on flowers in front of the people. That's not what Jesus did. He came in on palm trees. And the next week they were saying, you remember that man? They said, Hosanna. And seven days later, they said, crucify But here you come walking in. And you're walking. I am the first lady. I am the first gentleman. I am the bishop. And you look out on the people and you sit down in your arrogance. God is going to remove every one of you and humble you. And bring you back to the place where you're either going to say, this is the Bible that I believe, or you're going to go live as a policymaker. The distortion. We don't even know. Today's Sunday. People in Atlanta are hurting. They're going to march some more because they're angry. Because right before their eyes, one of us was shot again in the midst of George Floyd, in the midst of Breonna Taylor. We're still, it brought back the pain of Trayvon Martin. It brought back the pain of our ancestors who were beaten in the fields with whips and shots with guns and hung up. It brought it all back. We've been traumatized for centuries and some of you got a position and what you did was set us out because you wanted riches. And now here we are. They're about to line us all up and put us in camps and reservations. If we are not careful, that's what will come. Now is the time when you must stand up. Either you are or you are not. So while we still have some freedom left, let us speak up. And let the system of racial injustice, it's got to go. We're all equal. God created us. God created man. If you believe that there is a God, God created us. If it's just some words that you say, I guarantee you're going to have an encounter one day. We all do. We all are human. We all came out of the womb of a woman. That's why we are humbled. Because it took a man's sperm and a woman's womb to make us. Now they take it out of a man and put it in a petri dish. It'll still need the same because none of us come out of animals. That's how we are humbled. So we go back to basic. I'm speaking to white policymakers. it's time for you to level the playing field get brave enough, some of you want to do it but you're scared, get brave enough be brave and know that God is with you come on, level the playing field you know it's wrong, you know it's distortion of the word of God come on now, level the playing field A man named Jesus walked for a mile and a half with a cross, with whips 39 times across his back you are watching us being laced in the streets. Eight minutes and 58 seconds I have left. Eight minutes and 58 seconds. George Floyd, lay there saying, I can't breathe, we can't breathe. It's time for change, make the decision. Come on now, gather the people together. Get the ordinary people, come on up. Go to their Facebook pages, call them up. Say, we gotta do this, let's sit down and craft something for the next generation so our people can move forward. I want my children to live in safety. I want your children to live in safety. Let's do this. Let's rise up out of ourselves and be greater than what the policy says. Be greater than what the media says. Come on now, I'm encouraging you. I'm condemning and I'm saying to the preachers who had the faith and the platform, you abandoned us, you abandoned the word of God. You sold us out for riches May your riches keep you, because God has left you. You didn't know it, but now you're going to find out. You're going to be whipped. You're going to find out that you'll be empty, and you'll have nothing, because God has left the building. He left a long time ago. Now you're going to find out. Now, come on, America. We say we are a Christian nation. I'm challenging you. Rise up. On unarmed brown man named Jesus Christ is the leader of the Christian faith. An unarmed brown man who had nothing. He was not a descendant of kings and queens. He did not have Jesus the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth behind his name. He just said, I'm Jesus. I come out of Nazareth, and I am the son of God. And I've come to set the captives free. That's the leader of the Christian faith. I challenge us. Let us be more like him in Jesus' name. Thanks, everybody. My name is Harriet Kimmack. If you're going to read any book this week, read the Bible, Exodus chapter 20. I encourage all of us. We need this. Be blessed, everybody. Thank you so much. Be blessed, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. Be blessed.